0: manser a physical therapist and a master in public policy welcome to the show getting
1: thanks james it's great to be here
0: hey so Kidine, first of all like we're glad to be out of the, like in this apocalypse still going and stuff like that but how has COVID 19 and all that really affected Um, physical therapy and how you're treating your patients and things like that?
1: It's been an interesting thing. Um, The the Department of Health and Human Services, nationally, has labeled physical therapy as an essential service. Mm -hmm. Anecdotally, though, it it hasn't been as essential as we would like. Uh, A lot of fear has, has reached our patient population, and it forces them to stay home even though we take all the precautions necessary for them to be safe in the clinic. We are an essential service, um, and we've had to adjust a lot of our services to provide our, our care mm-hmm. via telemedicine, which a lot of people will, will sit there and question, oh, physical therapy, Don't isn't that massage or, or anything like that? Yeah, it, absolutely. There's obviously more than massage to physical therapy. We can do some things via telemedicine, but to, to get our full spectrum of treatment to be most effective, mm-hmm. definitely in-person visits are, are needed. And as long as we have restrictions in place and, and are are pushing the fear narrative, patients are not gonna get the care
0: that they need. Absolutely, I 100% agree. And so like, to kind of hammer it home, like what, how much more effective is it to have the patient in your office than it is to try and, you know, do it via telemedicine? Well, there, there's always things you miss in, in a video. Right. Um,
1: either intentionally or, or simply the way the, the camera is pointed. I can't walk around a patient
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a video. They ov- obviously don't have a, a camera crew in their home where we're doing it to get different angles and things like that. Don't get me wrong, I can I can assess and I can do a lot of good for a patient via telemedicine. But there are some little things, the nuances, the the feel, um, and just the, the, I guess, feeling you get from someone. Mm-hmm while they're doing exercises, while they're doing things, there's, there's always a little hesitation on camera Absolutely. versus in person.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely don't act the same way on camera as you, you would in person, right? You kind of feel a little weird. Someone, might, someone else might be watching you. you, might not be as open with your, your doctor or, or whatever, right? Right, and as, as much as we take safety precautions, uh, mm-hmm. make
1: sure there's a, a another person present when possible, make sure we know exactly where that patient is mm-hmm. uh, for telemedicine. So if something does happen, we can call uh, EMS and get them to that location as soon as possible. It's still not as, as good as being there and being able to take care of that, that issue immediately.
0: So Kadeen, you have one of those unique factors, right? Where you've, you've done your degree in medicine, and you've also done your degree in public policy. How, how, from that standpoint, how well, how effective do you think like Arizona and in, in the United States in general has done on our COVID policy and, and how it, it's treating its citizens?
1: Well, it's it said, and Grant, I'm not an epidemiologist, Absolutely. Um, but we do study microbiology along the course of mm-hmm. of training, and it, it's always been a, a bit of a question in my mind why we, in the beginning of this this outbreak, looked at straight numbers mm-hmm. and not prevalence rates, the the cases per you know, group per one hundred thousand is is a standard that we uh-huh. use, and everyone, uh, at least in the the mass media, was simply looking at straight numbers, uh-huh. just prevalence. Like, what's two people here versus five people there? Uh-huh. That that's not useful information, unless you are trying to stir up fear. Uh-huh. When when we start looking at the numbers now, we're still not looking at prevalence. We're mm-hmm. looking at positivity rates. So many of, of Governor Ducey's policies going forward to open up are based on these positivity rates.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unless we start doing testing on asymptomatic people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: our positivity rates are always going to be higher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When all you do is look at positive symptomatic people and test those people alone, obviously you're going to have really high numbers. Absolutely. The serology tests that, that the CDC has started doing, look at antibody pres- presence uh-huh. in asymptomatic people to see how many people have had COVID, uh-huh. didn't seek medical treatment, weren't a positive case. Uh-huh. Shows that, uh, on average, 10% more uh-huh. people have had COVID that haven't been tested, haven't been a positive, which, if, if you understand those numbers, means that, the mortality rate of COVID is about 10 times lower than the reporting now.
0: Yes. And so one of the biggest things is kind of summing it up a little bit. Logically, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, you don't go to get a COVID test if you're feeling 100% perfect, right? Like, I mean, I don't know anybody who's like, oh, I'm feeling great today. I want to spend my Saturday going to get down to an empty school lot and get a COVID test.
1: No, and, and actually, there are a lot of reports of testing centers turning asymptomatic people away Mm -hmm. they they want to save the you know limited number of tests for those who are actually symptomatic to make sure that those who are positive get the treatment they need i understand why but you can't use those numbers to dictate your policy
0: because they're skewed and so when you're looking at just straight numbers like that right and and not looking at you know infection rates or, uh, or you know, the serology tests and, and things like that, you're always going to have that kind of, you know, fear in your population that, like, hey, we're never going to get out of this. And, like, this flattening of the curve, 15 days of flattening the curve has really turned into tyranny, like, real freaking quick, hasn't it? Yeah, you give someone an inch, right? Absolutely. And so, like, Based off of you know some of the research you know and, and some of the mandates you've done, like is the policy just we're not opening back up until there's zero COVID patients? Like this is going to be part of our our, our daily life for a while now until we see a, a vaccine, right? Well, they luckily they
1: haven't set the threshold at zero. Mm-hmm. I, I believe one of the thresholds is at five percent, and that's to to get to that minimal restriction level, where businesses can open to 50% of capacity. Mm-hmm. That's that's still pretty steep restrictions um, for any business to operate on, 50% of capacity. And then they went so far as to say, bars, it needs to be less than 3% positivity rate. Mm-hmm. And without doing the math in my head, uh, that might be an impossibility to reach. The worst part is, is they have different stages mm-hmm. for opening, and these stages they built in a 12-day delay for reporting, and yes. then you have to be at that stage for 14 days mm-hmm. before you can move on. So we're, we're looking at best case scenario, at least another month of restrictions. Uh,
0: uh, before we just get to the next phase, not let alone uh, a 50%, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, completely. If, if all our positivity rates went to zero today, we still wouldn't open for two weeks. That is the current policy.
0: And that's nuts. And what's what's crazy is a lot of these medical professionals that are, you know, giving like the Dr. Fauci and and, and Dr. Burks don't look at the the this very 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 small like, uh, you know, money that you know each each place makes off of individual customers. And it takes a lot of customers to make money, keep the bills open, or the you know like pay the bills and stuff like, especially at a bar, right? I mean, if you buy a, a beer. For three bucks and you know, you're buying it at a dollar, like you're gonna need a couple people to pay the rent, pay the staff, pay all the and then on top of that, like when you're lowering the number of people, like you're never gonna you're never gonna hit those numbers. Right. And it's it's understandable that a, a public health specialist
1: doesn't care about economics. It, mm-hmm. it's slightly ignorant, but they have their job to do. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to provide the numbers to make informed decisions. It's the people who take those numbers, don't know what to do with them, and make poor decisions on policy because, well, everyone says it's really bad. Everyone you know, is afraid mm-hmm. of what this could do, That they're not paying attention to what it actually does. The actual numbers for mortality, I, I believe the numbers that uh, a friend of mine who did some work for the government did, came out to a 0.017% mortality rate for COVID, uh-huh. which is, I, I'm not comparing COVID to flu, but the mortality rate for the flu is is about that, 0.016 to 0.022, depending on the year.
0: Right, especially when you look at this year and the flu death rate just decimated. And well, of this course, is
1: there, there's always going to be concern about misdiagnosing, mislabeling. Uh-huh. There's a number of stories that came out of, of just errors in reporting Mm -hmm. it it happens um and i i'd like to think that those errors are minuscule and are a very small part of the numbers that we're making our decision on
0: but it doesn't help absolutely so uh, in general do you think it's it's more beneficial for us to open up and just and let this thing run its course or you know like the longer that we we drag obviously the longer that we drag this out under shutdown the longer it's going to drag out right well of course there's
1: there's going to be a point in the future where this pandemic mm-hmm. is still ongoing, but we change our focus and our mindset to lift the restrictions. Mm-hmm. People cannot live this way indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, the people will either all die of other problems or revolt. Mm-hmm. Neither one of those is a good solution. So the question becomes, at what point mm-hmm. do we move past this? Pandemics, uh, apart from smallpox... They don't end. We're Mm -hmm. we're not going to eradicate COVID-19, not with any vaccines that we come out with, especially when we're rushing the the process for those vaccines, Mm -hmm. especially not when we have a healthy population of Mm anti-vaxxers who will refuse to take them even if they're forced to. Um, So uh, at some point in the future, we have to decide, are we going to move forward Mm -hmm. and just accept that this pandemic exists and the individuals who need to take extra precautions take the extra precautions that they would anyway Mm -hmm. and let the rest of us move on with our lives.
0: So in your opinion, is there any difference between going to the gym and going to Walmart at this point? Or is it just, I mean, is it just kind of more political where like, hey, you know, Walmart might be patting some pockets of some politicians. And uh, because, I mean, logically, uh, as a, a normal human being, as a former EMT, I would go, uh, you probably want to go to your local grocery store. It's probably less packed than Walmart. Or, and it's probably safer to go to your local gym, has like eight people in it maybe, than it is to go to, to Costco.
1: Right. It, The the building doesn't matter. The business doesn't matter. The, the, the population density that you insert yourself into is the, the biggest factor that mm-hmm. is going to determine your risk. If you're around 10 people, you have a 1 in 10 chance of someone having it. Right, Mm -hmm. If you're around 100 people, there's 10 people that have it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the the odds are the same, Mm -hmm. but just sheer numbers increase the the chance of you running into them. Um, So the gym versus a grocery store, Mm -hmm. there's really no difference if you take the same precautions you would in both places. The argument that they made in the beginning when they forced everyone to wear masks is, oh, don't worry, you can work out with a mask on. And then they realize that, oh, working out with a mask on is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. You can't do it very well, so we're just going to close gyms
0: Mm -hmm. instead of institute the same things that we've done in other places. And the other thing is, is like, we really haven't seen the public policy information come out about masks and, like, their effectiveness, right? Like, it it seems less um, about public safety as it is, like, a veil or, like, an image of public safety, right? Because, like... How many people are walking around with the same surgical mask that they've been from three months ago hanging from their car door or, you know, uh, not cleaning their mask, not changing out their mask. They have the homemade cloth mask and they're not washing them. Like at that point, it's like, what are these masks even really doing? Right. We we claim that the whole mask thing is
1: is about science and and good, uh, essentially, disease control. But it comes down to logistics and supply. Mm hmm. And really, just how do you enforce? Mm -hmm. How do you inform the public that that, you know, little piece of cloth that you've been wearing around your neck for the last six months isn't doing a whole lot to stop COVID? Mm -hmm. But it suffices the policy. Mm -hmm. Um, And and when you start looking at inept policies that are that are poorly enforced and have no basis in reasoning, Mm -hmm. why is that policy exist?
0: Yeah, 100% agree because it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, why are you guys being data science deniers, right? And then you look at the data and you're like, well, this doesn't really make sense why we're doing it that way. And they're like, well, safety, the mask, are you selfish? Are you racist? Do you not want to do this? Like, it makes absolutely no sense.
1: Right. And that's the other terrible thing that that we're seeing now is a lot of people are, are hating and shaming the people who don't to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, the whole idea of a mask is if you have the disease, it'll limit the spread mm-hmm. from you by putting a mask in front of your face. If everyone's wearing a mask, we're assuming that everyone is infectious, mm-hmm. which we know isn't even close to being true. There's, there's at most a 10% uh, infection rate, and we still don't have good data to mm-hmm. show that asymptomatic people are infectious. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility, yes. But we haven't done good scientific studies to prove that. 100%. But that's what we're basing our our policy on. It's that I don't know, so we're going to default to the most stringent thing that we can do, but we're not going to give you really good information about it because, well, we know you can't follow that. We know not everyone can wear a surgical mask. Mm -hmm. N95s that allow people to expel air but limit the air coming in don't work for COVID mm-hmm. but people still love the N95 mask because they're more expensive so they must be
0: better right <laughs> yeah it's like when you get those Beats headphones and you're like and then they break the next week you're like whoa it was more right. expensive it has to be better just because you spend more <laughs> doesn't mean you're getting a better product so I mean kind of in closing like so what is the biggest you know recommendation I you think like or, or what do you, where would you like to see this going forward like Uh, you know in the next couple months like should schools open should um you know like public gatherings and stuff like that is this going to be the new normal for years to come or is this just something kind of political that you know november 3rd All of a sudden, COVID's not a thing no more.
1: Well, we've seen it um, time and time again. Mm -hmm. As soon as the next big thing comes along, we forget about the current issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Americans that normally have a 30-second attention span, this has gone on way longer than I expected. Mm -hmm. At some point in the near future, I believe that we're going to start seeing better information come out, better science that shows that it's not as as scary as we thought.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I think that's going to start triggering people to start demanding easing of restrictions. Uh What it's going to take is one state, one governor, to actually have the fortitude to look at the true numbers Uh and to say, let's try it. Uh Let's try to get past this. Let's open up fully. Let's give a a two-week, regardless of the numbers, try at opening up and see what happens.
0: Uh
1: And if it's not catastrophic, we're all good. If it is catastrophic, don't go back to the draconian restrictions. See what worked and see what affected the change.
0: Use data-driven evidence. Right,
1: and, and start making small incremental changes. That's how policy works or mm-hmm. should work. Um, going forward, and, and I, I mentioned this before, I am all for a communicable disease awareness day. Mm-hmm. I think we should remind people in the future of this possibility. Mm-hmm. Get people to understand that pandemics happen. Epidemics mm-hmm. happen. Washing your hands, not coughing in other people's faces. The things you learn in kindergarten
0: Simply said, work. don't be an asshole, right? <laughs> right,
1: right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I jest. But in, in all actuality, we, we should implement this, mm. this Awareness Day where we encourage employers that can have their, their employees work remotely. Work remotely that day. Mm-hmm. Stay home. Let's, let's cancel school. Do a test run of online schools. So we are always testing that capability. So if we do need it, we're not scrambling, mm-hmm. right? For everyone else, you know, let, let's have a holiday for sporting events and and all of those things where we have mass gatherings. Let's memorialize the people who have died mm-hmm. from these communicable diseases. And you know, it, this all started in January, February. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect day to do this communicable disease awareness day. Mm -hmm. It's the day after the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect day day. to have people stay home, (laughs) work from home, avoid large crowds. We don't have any other sporting events that day anyway. So there you go.
0: There's the best way to win an election. (laughs) Sounds great, Kadeen. Well, thanks, as always. You always have an amazing opinion and and bring a lot of, of light and knowledge to the issues. So thanks for coming in and uh thanks my pleasure uh, absolutely um so again thanks for paying attention to the done right podcast you can subscribe um hit the notification bell make sure you get all the notifications when there's a new episode up uh follow us on parlor at done right and on instagram at done right podcast thanks for tuning in